Do you have a favorite weather movie? Like like Twister or uh, The Day After Tomorrow? Uh, you know, something. Really gets, yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, they finally got that one right. <laughs> Sharknado, the original. <laughs> yes. Hi, and welcome to episode two of the Risky Business Podcast. I'm Kath Welfley. And I'm Richard Schusler. On this episode, we welcome KMOV's Chief Meteorologist, Steve Templeton, to discuss severe weather readiness and all things weather. We'll turn it over to Steve to tell us a little bit about himself. For me, it started uh, because my, my grandfather, I never knew, uh, he died when my dad was a young kid, um, but he was a professor of geology at the University of Illinois. So um, I took earth science classes, probably looking back now, hindsight 2020, probably trying to connect with my dead grandfather, you know, thinking maybe I like geology. Uh, and it turns out I hate geology, but I really like atmospheric <laughs> science. So I pursued a degree in atmospheric science and got one at Purdue University. And uh, I started my TV career in Dubuque, Iowa. Uh, typically, not always, but typically you start in small towns and kind of work your way up to the point where you're comfortable and want to raise a family. And so I went from Dubuque to Des Moines uh, and then to St. Louis. My wife's from the St. Louis area. And so we're happy to be here and hopefully forever. So are you from Illinois, like Southern Illinois? Or are you from a different area of Illinois or are you not even from Illinois? I am from the north suburbs of Chicago. Okay. Um, and my my wife is from Nashville, Illinois, which is in southern Illinois in our viewing yeah. area. I know that you're doing a lot of stuff outside of what's on TV with uh, schnooks and with local schools. Yeah. I know some of that is uh, on severe weather readiness. Yeah. Uh, so um, we do a lot of stuff in the community. And, and our hope is that, you know, that comes back and makes them like us us as people and not just people on TV, you know, um, you can actually shake hands, say hi. And uh, I, the other thing is I love doing school talks. I, I actually had considered maybe becoming a teacher uh, when I was younger. And so that's an outlet for me uh, once or twice a week. It's tough because it's outside of my normal, you know, nine hour workday, but I still like to fit in a school talk. And that, that is really fun. Um, and then we do these storm boat tours. We do four a year. We go to kind of smaller towns. We get outside of St. Louis. Uh, this year, for instance, went to, to Chester, uh, to Litchfield, Illinois, uh, to Washington, Missouri. And we put on an hour-long presentation. And a lot of it beforehand is us shaking hands, saying hi, maybe sign on or go take a picture. But the hour-long presentation is is really hopefully, um, I'd like it to be something where people walk away going, not only was I entertained, but I learned something. And, a, and the focus is on severe weather. In fact, our mantra is you need three things to prepare for tornadoes and severe weather. One, you need a way to get the warning. Two, you need to have a plan, whether it be at work, at school, church, uh, shopping at a Walmart or Target. You need to know where you need to be. And then three, uh, you need to have a safety kit, which is something a lot of people don't, don't consider. So we kind of hammer home those points, but sprinkle in some really fun, interesting things, videos of of uh, lightning videos of tornadoes and multiple vortex tornadoes explaining what that means. Um, so th that again, for me is a kind of an outlet for teaching. So it's super fun. And then we also do, uh, we are in week six of seven weather radio Wednesdays where we go to uh, area schnooks and for three hours we tune weather radios. A lot of people have weather radios or they want one. 
but they hear that they go off too much. So we make sure it's set just for their county and just for what they need. Some people bring in, I'm telling you, weather radios from like the 70s. Like it's, I've never even heard of this brand. And we do our best. We do our best, uh, you know, to, to fix it up right for them. But um, it, it's been great. And the turnout is amazing. This is our third year doing this. And uh, last week uh, we were in, um, I think it was O'Fallon last week, and th- there was just lines up and down like two or three aisles. Seriously? So three, yeah. So three years in, there is still a demand for either getting a weather radio or making sure it's programmed right. And I, I just think that's wonderful. I think there are a lot of people in our community who take severe weather serious and, and make, making sure they have a, a way to get the warning. It, it, how's the demographic on that? It, like, I, I think radio and, you know, tuning. Um, well, and I wonder if it's kind of a outside the city limit, those counties that are a little more spread out having the weather radio where maybe it's not as easy for them to get to. Um, you're, Richard, you're, you're right that it's, it does skew older. There's definitely a demographic. Um, although we've, we've had younger people and families and stuff. Um, but as far as like rural versus city, it, that's a good mix. I mean, there's, there's people from Florissant to the city, uh, next, uh, tomorrow. In fact, we're going to Oakville in South County. So we're not going to real small areas. We're, um, in the Metro. And, uh, I, I think, um, younger people maybe don't think that they need a weather radio, maybe a younger family or younger person. Um, but you know, if you sit down and think about it, uh, and this is what I try to explain to people, you need more than one way to get the warning because what if one fails? And then two, we all rely on our smartphone apps, which is awesome. I mean, smartphones have totally changed the game as far as getting severe weather warnings. But if you're like me at night, you know, in the morning when my phone alarm goes off, I have three of them because I turn the first two off. <laughs> I need I need three, you know, and the first two I sub- subconsciously turn them off. I don't even know what happened. So if a weather warning comes across at three in the morning on your phone, you might turn it off or you left your phone like downstairs. Me. I'll leave my cell phone downstairs. I don't even go to sleep with my yep. cell near me because I don't want the the as soon as I hear my phone click or make a noise, I want to answer it and see what it is. So I keep my phone downstairs. So yeah, if I didn't have <laughs> something else other than a dog who would yeah, there is a there's a Pavlovian response to noises on your phone. You're like, who called? What is that? What's the yeah. breaking news? What's the push alert? Yeah. So I I, th- I think they're they're great. And the thing is, you can program them. Mine, for instance, is programmed just for tornado warnings and severe thunderstorm warnings. So it doesn't go off for flash flooding. It doesn't go off for a watch. Um, and usually I'm at work anyway, but you know, wake yeah. up like the other night, Friday night, you know, it went off and my wife is there and she knows, uh, especially we live in an area with all these old trees, even with severe thunderstorm warnings, I'm worried about a tree getting pushed into the second floor of the house. So she'll take the kids downstairs sometimes when it's a, a severe thunderstorm morning and she sees me on TV. Cause if I'm on TV, you know, it's bad. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you, what's your scheduled day. Right. Or if I didn't come home after the 10 o'clock news, yeah, that, which happens because storms sometimes hit, you know, at one, two in the morning. And, uh, and usually I work until about one thirty or 2 a.m. and hand off to the, to the next person. Wow. Now, now I, uh, so we kind of talked about ra- radios, um, and I know that KMOV has a weather app because I have that on my phone. So giving, giving you a little plug there. Are, are there other 
apps out there or other technology related products that you recommend that people either download or look into? If they um, don't want to get the weather radio. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, um, this is great. The, the government forced the uh, cell phone carriers um, to uh, broadcast tornado warnings based on location. So when your cell phone pings off of towers and it knows your location, if you're in a what we call polygon, the polygon is the warning area. If you're in that tornado polygon, um, your phone will blare. And you've probably heard it more often with Amber Alerts. I was you know, just going to say Everyone's like phone goes off. Yeah. 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 So they that will go off for tornado warnings. And they either have or will shortly make it go off for flash flooding as well, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Again, not you know sometimes things fail. It's not 100%. So I, I think it's good to have another app. Um, our app has an advantage and disadvantage. Uh, disadvantage is it doesn't follow you around. So if you're traveling to Florida or to Oklahoma or just anywhere around town, it doesn't know where you're at, which some people actually like <laughs> for privacy reasons. Um, but so that means you have to program it. And we allow up to five locations, which is great because you can program your school, uh, you know, work, um, uh, your kid's school, home. And if any of those locations is in a polygon, it'll go off. And then our, we also push alerts. So we'll, we'll send a notification that says, hey, storms are ramping up, no warnings yet, but just a heads up. You know, so kind of proactive type stuff. But there's a, an app called Weather Radio, and I know this is going to sound confusing. It actually has nothing to do with weather radios. <laughs> it's, it's made by WDT, Weather Decisions Technology. I do, you do have to pay for it. Uh, I think it's five or ten dollars one time fee, and it does follow you around. And I think that's an advantage, especially uh, there's a lot of people who do sales in the region. There's a, a lot of people who um, you know travel, especially through like Kansas, Oklahoma, and in a high uh, severe weather threat day, how are you going to know that you're driving into something? Um, so I think that's real handy to have too. And and I have that, but I turned it off unless I'm traveling. I heard heard about the uh, smartphone, some smartphones going off in New York uh, with all the the rain um, that they had over the last couple of days, and uh, for flash flooding. And I think a lot of people thought it was an Amber Alert, or you know, didn't know what was going on. So um, it sounds like that's kind of r- ramping up, but that's pretty important, I think, for this area. Agreed. Yeah, and I I love the fact that it's built in. You can opt out of it if you want, but I mean it it's built in. If you're in a tornado warning or flash flood warning, it, it's going to go off. Now, you know, sometimes systems fail. Um, so in fact, even the weather radios that we're talking about, the actual uh, called NOAA weather radios, uh, one of the transmitters took a power hit on Friday when we had storms coming in. Thankfully it was an area that didn't have any warnings, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that could have been bad. You know, if that's your sole um uh, thing that you're relying on to get the warning. So I I think a duplicate in this case is always a good idea. I think also here in the local region, you know, we're in Missouri, we're in Tornado Alley. I think we almost are numb to severe weather warnings or, you know, there's tornado warning, tornado watch in the area. I feel like I, and maybe it's me personally, but you know, I think it's serious, but I don't necessarily think anything's going to happen to me. So how Mm -hmm. do you kind of how, when, when is a good way to communicate to your audience that, you know, this is serious versus just a warning? I feel like for people in this region, we don't always take the warnings as seriously as we maybe should. And when's a good time to actually take action of going down into your basement? I mean, admittedly, I'll hear my 
siren go off in the local area and I don't always go down to the basement just because you just kind of get you numb to it. I, I don't know how to explain it. If you're at work yeah. and yeah, you're I on think... the 12th floor, what are you supposed to, where are you going to go? <laughs> that, that, that's where we're at. That's not yeah, good. I, I want floor. you to take it serious every time, every time. I know. Uh, and you go down to the main floor. Sometimes I just can't. <laughs> got things to well, do. Well, think about this. You know, I, I mean, what, uh, there's two differences here. One is severe thunderstorm warnings versus a tornado warning. Um, when it comes to severe thunderstorm warning, you, you need to find out, you know, is this, are we getting power lines and trees down? So we were on the air Friday night and um, we actually said, I said, you know, uh, trees, power lines could come down 70 mile per hour winds. Indeed, that happened in Steelville, Missouri and some other towns. That is going to be one of those more dangerous situations because it's wind. Um, what do you do if you're on the 12th floor? Stay away from windows. But you don't have to run downstairs on that, that type of situation. Um, if it's hail, you know, usually no one gets hurt from hail because um, it typically rains really hard or the winds kick up first and people run inside to stay safe. And then all of a sudden the hail comes down and typically uh, no one's outside getting hit by it. Tornado is a different situation. Now, we don't get a ton of tornado warnings every year, so it shouldn't be like you getting numb to that. Now, we get tornado warnings in different parts of the region, but your particular area, how many times you have to run to the basement I mean, it'll vary. Maybe one year it'll be seven, one year it'll be zero, you know? So I, I, my hope is that you'll take it serious every time. Um, and I consider, you know, tornado warnings don't necessarily mean a tornado is happening. And right. that's because radar isn't perfect. And that's my job to communicate that to people um, to say, this is a Doppler indicated tornado warning. So keep my tone measured, you know, don't scare, freak people out, but let them know that, the best thing to do is go to the basement if you're in this warned area or, or wherever your tornado shelter is. Um, it's uh, indicated by radar. That doesn't mean there is a tornado happening, but there could be, and this is what helps save lives. Now, the reason why radar isn't perfect is because they can't see what's on the ground, mm -hmm. and that's where a tornado does damage. So radar sends this beam out into the air, and if it was down near the ground, it would bounce off of all these buildings. It wouldn't go very far. So we actually have to shoot that beam, that radar beam, up into the air. So when we see really strong rotation, it's like 2,000 feet, 1,000 feet, 5,000 feet above the ground. We don't actually know what's happening. But at the end of the day, radar ends up helping save lives because it gives you that advanced notice and sometimes a notice that there's a tornado. The problem is we don't take them uh, as serious, I think, as we need to. And I like to tell people you need to treat it like a seatbelt. So when you get in your car, you don't say to yourself, oh, today is the day I'm going to get in an accident. I don't usually wear my seatbelt, but this is serious. I'm going to put my seatbelt on. You don't know if it's serious or not. You don't know if it's going to be an accident. So you wear your seatbelt every time just to play it safe rather than sorry. With a tornado warning, it's the same way. We don't often know unless we have spotters tell us it's on the ground doing damage. Oftentimes, we don't know for sure until after the fact. And so just like buckling up, you want to need to buckle up every time with a tornado warning and hope that that thing rotated above your house and didn't touch the ground and didn't do damage. Sometimes we get um, what I call warning fatigue. And we haven't had it around here lately because no. we haven't had a ton of severe weather. But, right. you know, there's like 2011 was a bad year. And warning fatigue is just where you're like, oh, not, I don't want to go to the basement again. You know, it's like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
And that's, right. that's, you know, what, what, when I'm on the air, uh, that's on me to try and communicate the seriousness of it. Um, you know, you don't want to freak people out every time. And then when you try to freak them out, it doesn't work. Right. So you, you need to, you need to kind of watch your tone, be calm, be collect. Um, but then when you really need to get them to act, you know, you change your tone, you get mm-hmm. more serious, more direct. And you, you might use words like there's a potential for catastrophic damage. We need you to get to the basement. I mean, that to me is jarring and right. hopefully communicates it's more serious, but that's part of our job. I'm a science communicator and I need to, I need to figure that out. Do, do you have concern about like, when people are at home, you know, a, a lot of folks have basements or places they could go to, but like we're here in Clayton in a 14 story glass building. Mm-hmm. And if <laughs> severe weather's hitting at 12, 12 o'clock when it's lunchtime, we, we don't necessarily have a, a basement other than our parking garage. Which uh, is exposed a little bit to the outside. It's not even fully enclosed. Do you have concern like, with daytime when people are out on the roads or how, how, how would you, how do you deal with something like that as a meeting? Well, I think, I, I, I think, I mean, I'm concerned anytime we get severe weather because anything freakish could happen. A tree limb could go through, you know, a window and hurt mm-hmm. or someone or worse. Um, but I think that part of that mantra of preparing for severe weather is have a way to get, get the warning and then have a plan. And I think there needs to be some personal responsibility on everyone or business. Um, like if you're a Target or Walmart, you, you should have your employees or, or store manager trained on what to announce and where to get people. Um, if you work in a building, you should have been thinking like, okay, I'm not going to take the elevator because if the power goes out, I'm stuck in there. That's not good. I'm going to get into the stairwell, hopefully one that doesn't have windows and walk down to the main floor or to the parking garage I'm going to try and find an inner room that puts as many walls between me and the outside so that I'm not near that exposed part of the parking garage. And you think, okay, now, now I know there's that storage closet. There's that maintenance area. Or maybe I'll just stay in the, the enclosed stairwell leading to the parking garage. That, that might be a good spot. And then once you've thought about it, you're done. And, right. and it, if, if something does happen, then, you know, hey, I'm just going to go down there for like 20, 25 minutes, let this thing pass. And that way, if some debris flies through the glass window near my cubicle, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be okay. And when I'm and using after- Richard as a human shield, <laughs> it'll just get, it'll just strike Richard and I'll, uh, that's I'll, my plan. Yeah, At I'll, least I have that's, one. I'll, I'll protect her. <laughs> I, I, I think- it's not a bad idea. We should yeah, add that see? to our severe weather plan. <laughs> I, I think there's many walls between you and the outside, but right. you could put as many bodies. Yeah. Between, one more <laughs> as many wall. Richards. <laughs> exactly. I think- when we were in school, we had tornado yeah. drills, and yeah. as we get older, I think part of it is we either feel invincible or we just don't think about it. So I think planning ahead, as you said, is is you know the best way to go when you're when you're sitting in a building like ours, knowing kind of where you would go in that case. And we do have drills here in this office building. I mean, I, there's obviously a responsibility of the building to also have that for us, but. I mean, I do think that's a good point that just think about where you're going to go if you need to get to a lower level and where would be the best place to go. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people who um, uh, 
there are people who think about this stuff ahead of time and it makes them feel more at ease, you know, right. uh, because there can be some high anxiety stress when severe weather does really ramp up and you're hearing about power lines, trees coming down, possibly a tornado. And then that is not the moment to think, where do I go? Right. You know, um, I, I feel like if you're prepared, you're not going to be scared. For, for, for me personally, uh, hail is a big issue right now uh, with, with just property insurance, um, whether it be deductibles going up, um, just it seems like hailstorms are more frequent. It, does that feel like that's the case where we're seeing larger, more severe hail more frequently? Or how, how, how do you see kind of any trends going with that? And is there any tips you could provide, you know, someone how to deal with, you know, hail other than, you know, making sure you replace your roof, you know, every so often? And um, that's, So I don't have statistics on, on the trends. My um, and I don't I, I haven't heard anything about hails getting larger or anything like that. The one thing I I thought of, though, is that we are a. Um, we are a more sprawled out and larger population. So especially you think of towns, town cities, really like Dallas, Fort Worth, they're not all compact in one small location. They're sprawled out. There's a lot more people, which means a lot more cars and a lot more houses. And so if you think of thunderstorms as darts and you throw darts at a dartboard, but instead of a dartboard, imagine it's a map of the U.S., you're more likely going to hit rural areas than you are towns. But as we become a more sprawled out population, mm-hmm. you're, you're more likely to hit a house or a development or a suburb or something. So that, that could be, I mean, and this is, I'm kind of speaking off the cuff. I don't have trends or statistics to back it up, but um, that would be my gut if you are noticing more, more claims and whatnot. Yeah. Um, interesting enough too, we, St. Louis is, I want to say we're number two and number three in costliest hailstorms in U.S. history. One was in April of 2001. And that storm went like from Kansas City all the way through St. Louis. That was real bad. And then the third one was 2012. I think it was April. Uh, and just about everyone I know either got new windows, new siding, new roofs. It was it was bad. So, you know, I, I don't know if insurance companies hate us or, or some <laughs> people make money off of that. Love us. So. It just hails here constantly. So, um most of them are either, you know, on the coast or, you know, in Chicago or some other major metropolitan area. But they just think that in Missouri, Kansas, Iowa, Oklahoma, you know, Nebraska, it, it's continuously hailing on us. So I think I feel like, yeah, I feel like this this region, we just get a little bit of everything. So, you know, we'll get the tornadoes, we'll get the heat waves, we'll get the blizzards. So we get a little bit of everything, but I do think the, the insurers that write this area are familiar with our weather, weather patterns and then being a little bit more unpredictable. So. Yeah, I agree with you there. We, we do get a little of everything. Um, That's very true. And, and in your profession too, um, you know, it would probably would help to use radar as a tool especially in the short term after a storm hits, like within the first 12 hours, six hours. Um, there, there are products called like hail tracks where the dual pole Doppler, but because it can see the shapes of uh, the hydrometers, which is the stuff falling out of the sky, water, but in this case it would be hail. Um, so when it can see it's a large 
chunk of ice versus a small raindrop, it can plot a like a, a line over time showing you where the hail went and kind of a guesstimation of how large it is. And that could probably be really useful in your field. Um, I don't know where you, because ours is run through our proprietary graphic system, but uh, if you would Google like hail tracks, Radar Scope is a fantastic radar app. Uh, that's a one-time fee too, but they might have that built in. Um, there's, there's something called maximum estimated size of hail or mesh. These uh, VIL, which is vertically integrated liquid, and I know I'm throwing out big terms just to make myself sound smarter than I really am, but these are real things. He's trying to spell them. Yeah, hopefully there's not. Hopefully there's not a test on this. I was (laughs) I I was pretty pretty poorly in science class. (laughs) These are real real things, though. Seriously, that could that could help you in that at least uh, regards to hail. I think part of our job is to make sure that our clients are properly covered, too. So depending on what kind of business you have, what kind of vehicles you may own, what kind of property types you have, that's part of our job is to make sure you're properly covered in the case of a severe weather where, you know, you can't help the weather sometimes. And, you know, you're going to get hail every once in a while. And if you have a ton of vehicles that are not you don't have something covering them, you know, you just have to be ready that that could happen. But that's what insurance is also for. So. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's probably a lot of people that, because like you said, we do get hail quite a bit. And there's probably a lot of people that might not realize they have roof damage from the hail. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no one goes up on their roof to look. Um, so I, I don't know what insurance companies can can do about that. Um, but just to you know, like a regular inspection or something, or maybe target certain areas for inspections after particularly uh, large hailstorms. And we'll end part one of our conversation with Steve. Thanks for listening and please check out part two.